build compelling real-time apps quickly and scale them globally with the PubNub real-time network. Only PubNub delivers the core building blocks needed for any real-time application. Find out for yourself by signing up for free today. Visit PubNub.com. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. and welcome to this week in location-based marketing it is episode number 134 we are recording this live bright and early saturday morning june 15th 2013 my name is rob woodbridge from untether.tv i almost forgot my name there it's that early i'm in ottawa ontario canada and with me as always before he jets off to asia in like a minute and a half asif khan from the location-based marketing association yes uh about to about to head off but uh See if you you're like plenty to talk about before you're leaving in like uh, less than two hours. Uh, we have to get this episode in so that because uh, you'll be traveling for the next seventy seven hours or something like that ridiculous. And uh, so we had to get this episode in. And this was the only time we could do it, bright and early Saturday morning. I know, I know. The commitment is ridiculous. So um, we're going to cruise this. We have a huge show. We got a like almost eight, really eight news items. We've got a guest in Paul Mabry, who is the co-founder of Vintank. A loyal viewer of Untether.tv reached out and said, this is a guy you have to get on. So I went out and I got him. And Vintank, for those of you who don't know, it's a think tank, a, um, a think tank for the wine industry. And it actually helps people, helps the wineries uh, attract new customers and repeat customers through solo mode. It's very cool. And uh, the episode will be up in a couple of weeks. But we have a, a clip of that episode for our guest of the week. Um, but before we do that, Asif, you're heading off to Singapore. Why in God's name are you going across going to Asia? Uh, kind of a couple of reasons. So uh, obviously the LBMA, we have a chapter in Singapore. So uh, you know, wanted to catch up with uh, our guys there, our members there. But uh, the main reason is is um, starting on Monday and for the duration of the week is is something called Communic Asia, which is the kind of like the, the biggest trade show in, in all of uh, Southeast Asia annually. And so everybody from Thailand and Malaysia and Korea and and um, you, you know all parts of that world uh, you know gather and um, and share the latest in technology and and it's not just mobile it's it's everything so um, it, it's a big big show thousands and thousands of people so I'm going over to participate in that as part of uh, actually the trade mission uh, that's being led by Ontario and Canada um, so I'm part of that, so we we'll be there on site and part of the the government's uh, presence or the booth presence there. And then, obviously, as the LBMA, we have a chapter locally, so we're going to run our own event that week as well. And uh, yeah, just lots of meetings with companies like Starhub and Singtel and Singapore Airlines and all of that. So it'll be uh, it'll be crazy. And then I'm uh, uh, going to quickly jet over to uh, um, Shanghai uh, as well for a couple of meetings with uh, some startups there and lots to talk about I'm sure when I get back. I cannot wait like the best the best part of this is for me and for people who are listening or watching this is that we're going to get some great perspective and do me do us a favor is that while you're there like take some video or something like that with the you know that thing yeah. that you got that these things called the smartphones heard of these things right these yeah hit the video I uh, I'm very interested to uh you know to see and feel the kind of the culture down there when it comes to the mobile and location space so you got to you got to promise that. Uh well you spent uh, last week in uh this past week in New York City at the Multi Screen Summit. Do you want to give a kind of a rundown of that event quickly before we jump into the news? 
Yeah, a great event. Uh, you know, we just just a phenomenal array of speakers that was put together by uh, by the group there, uh, the Unicom team. The uh, you know, we had uh, I was on a panel at the end of the day uh, with um, a guy who invented touchscreens and a guy who works for Corning, who's involved in developing Gorilla Glass. I mean, th these are like brilliant, brilliant people, and uh, yeah, just just uh, phenomenal um, you know conversation and phenomenal thinking going on in terms of you know the future of uh, of the industry in terms of where mobile and, and screens and and all that stuff is going there were speakers from uh, Estee Lauder there was you know agency folks up there I did a panel with uh, a couple of guys from uh, VML and Sid Lee out of Montreal actually um, came up for it and Sid Lee's got a cool little project uh, going right now which I'll uh, I'll bring on the show maybe next week um, just like low-tech location um, with photo sharing. It's just, it's kind of crazy, but... Uh, low-tech yeah, location I'll, I'll, photo sharing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that like uh, yeah. I, I give you a photo? Is it something called Polaroid? No, Polaroid? it's like they, they're, they're distributing like uh, physical pieces of paper that look like frames and you go around the city and you hold them up uh, in, in unique parts of the city of Montreal and you snap your photo with this frame. That's pretty cool. Uh, and, uh, it's pretty cool, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that on uh, maybe next week's show. But, but all around, uh, good good event, right? Uh, this was the inaugural yeah. New York City event, was it, or is this the yeah. yes? So yes. it can only get, it can only get better. And, and for those of you who missed it, uh, you know, maybe put that on the calendar for next year and uh, and be there simply because the the quality of the people were uh, the speakers were were astounding. How often do you get that? The guy, the inventor of the touchscreen. I know, I know, just it's just insane. So. Um... Yeah, all all around a good show. Uh, encourage people to uh, bookmark it for next year, as you said. So, all right. Before we jump into our uh, all of this stuff, we've got a, our app of the week. We've got uh, the news items. We've got a resource. We've got a guest. Um, I, I want to implore you. Like, if you have a question about the location-based marketing space, see if and I want to actually open up the lines to you. We want to answer some questions, some 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 of your viewer listener questions. So, if you happen to have a question about this space, anything, man, it does not matter what, as long as it's in this space. Um, reach out, go to untether.tv forward slash talk, leave us a question. We'll play the question. We'll answer the question on the next episode. So please go ahead and do that. We're going to start that segment soon. So if you have a question, got a whole bunch in the, in the uh, backlog, we want to make sure that we have enough so that we can cover a bunch of shows. So untether.tv forward slash talk, ask us a question. We'll answer it. We'll do an entire segment on uh, answering your, your questions about this space. Okay. All right, let's jump into this. Let's see if, uh, we, we often talk, this, we're talking about our app here. We often talk about this company called Coca-Cola. I mean, I, I look at technology companies or the companies that are advanced in the retail space as the kind of the canaries when it comes to technology. And I think of Starbucks, I think of Coca-Cola, don't you? Yeah, no, no, for sure, for sure. And, and these guys are, uh, you know, we, we've been involved with Coke now for, for some time. And, uh, you know, they're always out there, you know, at the forefront trying everything, whether it's, you know, NFC payments in their, in their vending machines or, you know, uh, you know connecting uh, with Shazami TV commercials for the London Olympics or whatever. Digital it is. downloads they're, they're, from their vending machines yeah. as well. Yeah, these guys are smart. Yeah, it's amazing. And they, but so, they invested in uh, Spotify. Like over a year ago, didn't they put they, they like I think yeah. they put about uh, what ten or twenty million dollars into into uh, into them into a round and and uh, and then it kind of went silent until now. Until now, so uh, they announced this week a uh, partnership with Spotify around something called Coca Cola Place Place Lists, and what this is 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 that they're coming at this from the perspective of saying that uh, every song has a place. 
and everywhere that somebody who uh, who drinks Coca-Cola or enjoys Coca-Cola, uh, there should be music associated with that place uh, and, and their experience of drinking Coca-Cola. Uh, and so this is what they've done. So, so they partnered with Spotify, um, and so they've they built this new social music uh, app um, that, that's part of the Spotify kind of experience. 20 million licensed tracks. And it's all about linking the perfect songs to the perfect place uh, or event. And, uh, and then there's a social uh, sharing component to this music. So you might be listening to you know, your, your Coca-Cola placeless in, uh, you know, in, in Amsterdam. Uh, and you might you know, want to share that music with somebody else. But you can also connect with people in other parts of the world and hear what they're listening to as well. So, so it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I, I really like this. I think this, this is a, a perfect kind of match between you know, a brand like Coca-Cola and you know, music. Uh, we all know the impact that music has on people and its emotional uh, effect. Right? Absolutely. On ability. Yeah. So. It, I mean, this is, a, this is a great service. It, uh, you know, this, is a, this is reminiscent of, uh, you know, we all have these memories of listening to music. For me, uh, you know, when I, when I was 1987, that takes people way back. For some of you, maybe you weren't born in 1987. Is that, yeah, that's possible. Um, that are listening to this is that uh, I, I went on a, a, um, a trekking vacation in Nepal and uh, it was around the time that John Mellencamp uh, re, uh, released an album and, and Cherry Bomb is a song on that album and it was the mm -hmm. Lonesome Jubilee and all I hear whenever I hear that song it just takes me back to uh, walking through the mountains with my you know Sony yellow Walkman uh, you know the shockproof Walkman yeah, yeah, yeah. cassette that just kept on flipping over and over and over again it's all I listened to for like nine straight days and so when I hear the, the song Cherry Bomb, it takes me back to Nepal. And I know that everybody has that kind of moment where you hear a song, you're like, ah, it's probably for a lot of you, it's like, every rose has its thorn by poison, you know? Uh, it takes you back to those <laughs> high school days. And Yeah. Anyways, this, this is cool. And I like Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is an in, innovative company, and they, they're not afraid to try things. And so it's... Uh, it's place lists by uh, Coca-Cola. It's available on Spotify. Unfortunately, in Canada, Spotify is not available not out there yet. But it's coming. It's coming. So U.S. based. It's only on the web right now. It'll be uh, available on uh, on an app shortly. Uh, on the app shortly, and then it's uh, spreading to multiple countries where Spotify is available. But uh, very cool for Coca-Cola. That. Yeah, yeah. And just a quick sidebar on that. There's the there's a group called MusicDealers.com. These are their, a music licensing uh, outfit. And so that related to this, they're creating something called 52 Songs of Happiness, uh, one, one song for each week uh, of the year. And they're, they're uh, working with uh, emerging uh, independent artists, and they're actually going to write and contribute uh, unique songs and then share them through this, uh, this platform as well. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's uh, 52 Songs of Happiness, that's what it's called? Yeah. Well, I have lots more than that, but I like it. <laughs> and... and, and Thirty-nine of them are from Spring. Yes, yeah. thirty-nine. Yes. Fifty-one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm uh, I'm now um, I'm now consumed by Mumford and Sons. Uh, like I can't get enough of those guys. And that, I know I love those. And guys. And then they just did a cover of uh, the Ghost of Tom Joad with Elvis Costello um, and uh, a little bit of Do Re Mi by Woody Guthrie. It was like this great thing, and they're on top of the hill, and it's and it was YouTube that Mumford and Sons Ghost of Tom Joad with uh, Elvis Costello. It's incredible, but it, of course you're going to get a biased opinion. And this is not a music review show, so um, you know where my, my loyalty stands. So we're done with yes. that. 
All right, well, let's jump into this. We've got uh, six or seven stories, maybe even eight stories here, depending on how much time we have. Um, but the first one, it relates very closely to what Coca-Cola is doing with Spotify and Placelist. It's Pandora. This wasn't our lead story, but it flows very well. Our lead story is obviously the next one. It's about, it's about Google and Waze. Um, but Pandora bought the, uh, a terrestrial radio station. It's uh, KXMZ-FM in Rapid City. And they bought this uh, because of the punitive costs that they're facing right now as an internet pure play radio broadcaster. And this is, this is their way of actually hoping that they can participate in the better rates, better uh, everything that terrestrial radio stations are doing when they're broadcasting their terrestrial uh, feeds over the internet. And, and this is a strategic buy. It's, uh, what I love about this is that uh, Pandora is fighting this battle for all internet radio. They're paving the way. And this is a very costly 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 process in fact they've when it comes to i think there's a billion dollars that is exchanged hands as a result of uh internet radio st uh, stations pandora is contributing uh, and this is to the royalties paid to the artists and the, to uh to the music labels pandora is paying or contributing 25 percent of that it's like the, but they're facing punitive costs um around licensing for this yeah. for this for do, broadcasting the way they're doing it so they're fighting this battle to set the stage to go forward and you always hate being that guy who's the first one in there that you know charge and he's the one standing out there alone getting butchered he's the first to die the last person that they remember you know you always remember the successes but pandora's trying here and uh so they're thinking listen let's be inventive we'll get uh, our lawyers into this they bought a terrestrial radio station so that they can at least stand the same footing as every other radio station like the big guys like clear channel across the united states and hopefully benefit from the way that they're benefiting and it's a unique approach and i love the scrappiness of this it's like fuck you we're gonna buy a radio station like i love that i love it yeah i, I mean come on i mean and i i completely uh, agree with the sentiment of this i, I think that uh, you you got to be on a level playing field especially when you're trying to change the game i mean you've got from i mean obviously from our perspective working with advertisers and agencies and, and media buyers all day long uh at the lvma and they're sitting there going you know radio who wants to talk about radio right and then here you have Spotify, uh, pandora Spotify, pandora and spotify and, and all these guys uh, going out there you know, trying to change the game, uh, attracting people by the millions. I mean, Pandora has 70 million users in the U.S. 70 million users. That's 7% of total music, you know, radio listing in the U.S., period. Right? I mean, this is huge, right? And, and yet they're they're being held back by, you know, the, the authorities, uh, you know, and the licensing, uh, you know, around, you know, what's necessary to make this happen. And so... I applaud. This. I think this this is this is what they you know they got to do. Um, yes. You know, and we're going to see more and more of this. They're going to buy. I I wouldn't be surprised if they bought more radio stations. And it's not just you know. As I was reading this, I was looking at this going. Is this just a legal maneuver? Is this just so they can they can get uh, you know the same fair treatment that uh, everybody else in radio gets? Uh, and obviously that's the primary motivation. But you know, as I was reading this, they were going on to say, well, you know what? We we think we can actually make terrestrial radio better too uh you know we we think that based on all the data that we have uh you know from those 70 million people on on what they want to listen to and where they want to listen to it you know whether that's coca-cola place list or not um you, you know we think we can sh we can use that data to shape you know what's actually delivered on terrestrial radio uh in in these local cities and i think that's that's smart too and i think if you're a terrestrial radio station guys and you're listening to this 
uh, and you're not, you know, uh, the one, uh, what is it, K- uh, KXMZ FM, you're not those guys, but you're any other terrestrial radio station out there. Put your hand up. Go talk to, go talk to yeah. Spot- Spotify or Pandora and, and, and see if they can share some data with you. License some data from them. Why don't you start paying them something so you can make your offering a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, relevant to, to an audience uh, in whatever market you serve. It's funny because I think of uh, SoundHound and uh, Shazam as as well, as those are the guys that are that are catching the trends, the people that are interested in, yeah. you know, because they're tagging this, right? They're always tagging this. And songs, uh, yeah. I mean, there's so many of these great services out there. Well, you know, it's funny because everybody was looking at um, at uh, this latest announcement. iOS was, re- you know, was announced last uh, this past week at uh, the WWDC, and they were talking about the um, iTunes radio as the killer application yes. and and you know we mentioned it last week I went on a rant about um, radio you know the different levels of music and and uh, uh, Pandora is really for uh, you know new music discovery if you want your playlist you go to Spotify if you want or audio uh, and uh, songs and and uh, and Pandora are about discovery that that's really yep. the way I look at it is that I want a random song I go and listen to songs on the gym and it's like okay listen 80s metal rock go because I just need that music right it's very repetitive yep. and I find but uh, you know the clout that Apple brings to this space is really frightening because, and I think it could pave the way for for cheaper rates because they're talking about uh, the New York Post reported last month that Apple wants to spend uh, to pay six cents per one hundred spins, so that's like a hundred plays um, or a hundred stream, so a hundred song streams is what they're calling it, and. Um, Pandora currently pays uh, this under this statutory rate, which they've negotiated, which is 12 cents per 100 spins, and Spotify can pay up to 35 cents per 100 spins. Now, the difference is, is that Spotify is directed. I choose the song that I want. It's not sure. random. And uh, so if Apple does get that six cent rate, Pandora definitely has a uh, beef to go in there and say, "Listen, I, we need we need that uh, we need that rate as well." But this is it's it's hard to hold back the future, and I feel that that's what's happening here. And and poor Pandora, I mean, poor Pandora. They're, they're a moderately profit, publicly traded company uh, that is pioneering this space, and uh, they're going out to fight this battle so that other companies can innovate around this. And trust me, it, I believe that if 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 the shackles come off of this, innovation happens. And, uh, you know, Clear Channel owns 78% of the airwaves in the United States, which is not freaking healthy, in my opinion. Because they, no. I mean, look what they did to the Dixie Chicks. They banned where, the Dixie where, Chicks. Where's the competition bureau? Well, yeah, there? but they, they, yeah. They, they basically knocked out the Dixie Chicks. They, they, they did. They blacklisted Bruce Springsteen. They knocked them off. And it's, you know, it, it, they're a... They're a, um, a, a uh, I just don't believe that 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 having a 78% market share is is valid. And you're right. Where's the competition bureau on this? So go Pandora. I think everybody in uh, on the planet uh, is rooting for them right now to to kind of disrupt this space because it's going to happen and uh, and it's going to be ugly. And companies like Pandora, companies like Radio, uh, RDO, and Spotify and Songza will be right there to pick up the pieces. I believe so. Very cool. Maybe that is a big story. All right, that is a big All story. All right. Second story. This now this was huge story yeah yeah finally ending speculation this kind of uh bidding battle between all of these guys facebook between google and apple and google was the banker there you go so finally somebody takes ways and uh you know we've we've been talking about this for what i don't know a couple months now probably on the show we first first the first rumors were apple was going to take these guys and then facebook was right in there and then Google sort of came in uh, in, in the last uh, month or so, uh, heavy into the conversation, and ultimately uh, 
they are the winner. Uh, one one price that I saw on this was one point three billion dollars. Is is the uh, uh, everyone's saying it's about a billion dollars? I saw one point three in one report, um, and uh, you know, so that's, that's some serious cash. This is you know around the same level as Instagram, yep. um, and uh, you know, kudos to uh, that whole team over in Israel and and everybody here too. I mean, th- this 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 is a big big story. This is. Um, going to mean uh, serious, serious uh, changes for Google Maps, uh, and in particular, what that means on, on the mobile uh, yes. front yes. Uh, for, for everybody out there. I mean, and it doesn't matter whether you're on uh, you know iOS using Google Maps or you're on Google, uh, Android using Google Maps. You know, that ability to have real-time data now uh, in terms of traffic and all that other stuff that's going to come with it is just going to be incredible. And then you think about now the combination. For me, the first thing that jumped into my mind when I thought about Google Maps plus Waze is the future of in-car navigation now, right? Because you know, and I don't want to change. I don't want to move this whole story to telematics. But you and I talk a lot on this show about the car as the device of the future, and and we've talked a few months ago about you know Verizon uh, adding Wi-Fi to Audi, and every car going to be Wi-Fi enabled, and all of that. But now when you bring this level of data in and its ability to change, you know, what you're going to have in the car, this is huge. Yes. Well, this is the, I mean, it's the fight for the car. Like the, the dashboard is the, is, you know, is, is where this battle is going to end up. And, and of course they're doing this. So the, the challenge with Waze, like in a rural place, it's, I'm not rural. I mean, Ottawa is the nation's capital. It's a capital of Canada. It's a seat of government. But there aren't a lot of Waze users here in comparison to around the world, right? Or in North America, in the United States, which is their number one market. Yeah. So what this brings is, hopefully what it brings is the density of usage in Canada, in smaller cities. It's still, I mean, Ottawa is a population of over a million people. Toronto is three and a half million people, right? Four million people now? Yeah. Hey, so yeah. the third most populous uh, city in North America, Toronto, is. But you, you, we need that density so that the the actual real time stuff actually happens. And so, I mean, I'm getting delayed reactions where I'm on the on our main highway, you know, going 120 kilometers an hour on the road, and it says actually you're only, you know, it's uh, 35 kilometers is the average speed because that was from three weeks ago. And, and so, you know, the density I think that this brings. But Google, uh, the the biggest thing here is that Facebook lost, Apple lost. And, you know, if, I believe firmly that there are two operating systems. I don't care about, uh, like, you know, hardware OS. I don't care about iOS versus Android and all that stuff. I, I believe it's the applications that we live in. And I live in my calendar and I live mm-hmm. in my directions. It's a map and it's a calendar. It's context, always around context. And, Absolutely. and, you know, I believe that Facebook and I believe that Apple lost horrendously with this because uh, if, if Facebook is going to build an operating system, and I think that that's what Facebook is, and I think that, the, you know, uh, obviously Apple's interested in doing that. They have their own operating system. But this is, uh, this is a huge loss to those guys. And if it was a matter of leaving the development team in Israel uh, or paying a billion dollars, I believe that this is short-sighted by the other two companies. And Google just came in there and fenced out the competition. They own the mapping market. Navtech might be in play now because Apple and uh, Facebook have to look around and say, like, we just lost that battle. Shame on us. Maybe Nokia uh, unloads uh, Navtech as a result of this because this is big and Google just solidified, cemented uh, their spot as the preeminent mapping king, at least in North America. And uh, this is bad news for Apple, and this is bad news for Facebook, I believe, wholeheartedly. 
Um, and then the other flip side of this is that everybody said, well, now these guys are billionaires. 20% of that billion dollars. Now, the, the deal was a billion dollars in cash. And then the rest was in incentives. A billion dollars in cash. Yeah. Like that transfer. Can you imagine that wire transfer? <laughs> a billion dollars. 800 million of that went to the VCs who invested $78 million. Yes. Now, the other two, yeah. the other 200 million was split between the founders. Yeah, and, 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 and we're talking about, you know, Kleiner Perkins yeah. and, uh, and Horizon Ventures, which is uh, Lee Ka-Sheng's, uh, <laughs> you know, fund. So these guys are already billionaires, well, right? Especially uh, they're already in, Mr. Shane. But they're also all already into Google, right? So there's how much, like, yeah. there's so much nepotism yeah. going on here. It's crazy. But yeah. so uh, the, the two founders, the two main co-founders, basically 78 million, 65 million, they're, they're still multi-millionaires. And then... Um, you know the CEO made multi-millionaires, multiple millions of dollars in this deal as well. Uh, but but they're by no means billionaires uh, simply because the the majority of the money went off to to the VCs, and that's what happens, man. And they were saying the reason why it was either uh, do this, sell to a company, and focus on product development, or go mm. public and then focus on lawyers, right? And they decided right. uh, this. I love this decision. Um, you know, and it's it's huge for Google. Shame on Apple for giving up, and shame, shame, shame on Facebook for giving up. I believe that they'll regret this deal, not not doing this deal. I, I agree. I think this is, uh, you know, the, whoever got this ultimately is is uh, is going to be in a huge, huge position for, uh, you know, kind of j just taking the mobile market and taking that nav market uh, for it. And, and you know, I, I think you're right as well. I, I think the. Uh, Navtech could could be in play here. This 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 is an interesting. You know what what's the next move now is is the interesting uh, question. And it's going to cost. So, uh, like it's going to cost. Mean, Nokia bought Navtech for what three billion? Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. it's going to cost. Like a billion is going to seem like a deal compared to yeah. what's going to happen with Navtech if yeah. it goes up. So Google buys ways. All right, our third story. Talk about the evolution of the neighborhood garden. When I was a young kid, we uh, didn't have a big yard in our house, but across the street we had this wide open lot, so a whole bunch of neighbors got together. We created this neighborhood garden. We just planted vegetables, and everybody who uh, walked by, who was part of the neighborhood, could go and grab a tomato or a carrot or a head of lettuce or a, you know, a, a cucumber. And so you talk about this. What a weird place to do this. This is We're talking about Whole Foods actually creating a like how local can you get a garden to grow fresh vegetables uh inside in brooklyn on top of a building they, they've the store will feature a twenty thousand square foot greenhouse on its roof and this is pretty incredible so it advances a whole bunch of cool irrigation systems it's a whole bunch of uh, new ways to con conserve energy and conserve water consumption and they're putting it right on, on top of a, of a roof of their whole food store to grow Talk about local, local, local fruit. How far did it travel? Well, from the roof down to your shelf. That's pretty amazing. I love this. It is amazing. And when you think about the uh, Whole Foods customer base, right, and, and, and who, you know, who shops there, right, these are people typically who are a little more health conscious than, you know, the, the average uh, consumer out there. You know, they, uh, they're prepared to pay a premium for, for you know, for that. They're uh, they're, um, they want to know where their food's coming from, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and so, I mean, Whole Foods has always been very much, you know, about talking about, you know, the source of, uh, you know, of, of where they're getting their food. But, but to actually have the food grown on site, it's amazing. Uh, in your store, that like that's pretty cool. And so they teamed up with uh, Gotham Greens, which is a a, a local group. Uh, I, I love that name. Yeah, it's no Gotham kidding. Greens, that's amazing. So sinister right? the name, Gotham um, Greens. Gotham Greens, 
So right there in, in New York, and these guys are, you know, obviously uh, agricultural uh, scientists and specialists, uh, you, you know, and, and they're all about, you know, the environment and, and the impact agriculture has on uh, on our planet. And so, so they've been at this for a while, and uh, and and they teamed up with Whole Foods, and this is just this is just a great, great story. I mean, I. I I, I can just see more and more of this. I mean, there's so much unused rooftop space everywhere in every major city, from New York to Toronto to Shanghai to wherever. And, uh, you know, just think about the potential of growing your own food everywhere. I mean, like, e even in, in at my place here, like, my, my kids are all about it. Like, yeah. like they, they love, like, seeing stuff grow, right? Like, we right now, we've got, like, we're growing corn in my backyard right now. We got corn, we got peppers, we got... Tomatoes, we we got it all going out there, right? So you know they love it. Well, this is this is something that uh, whose time has come. I certainly I believe this, and it's just so funny that you know a, a place as as dense a population as Brooklyn to be able to do this is the first place. You'd think that there would be like somewhere in the middle of you know uh, central U.S. or central Canada where there's yeah. massive plains and of you know fields, open fields to be able to do this, but. But this is a controlled environment, um, and uh, certainly from a from an energy consumption, I'm, I believe firmly that that you know eventually when when that's up there, they're going to be able to then uh, you know leverage that into uh, air purification inside the store, and it's going to be a stamp. You know, they're they're just going to do some wonderful things with this, and I, this is this is an amazing idea. Talk about solo mo. This is absolutely 100% that. Yeah. You might pay a premium for that, but at least you know where it's coming from. You know that it's not being fertilized, it's not being stacked, picked, you know, two days ago, stacked in a truck or fresh frozen and then shoved in a, in a car and then delivered two days later and onto the shelves and into your house. And by the time you bring it home, it's rotten anyway. So you might as well grow local. And, um, I, you know, Ontario is where we're from and uh, there's a huge farming population in Ontario. And, and that's my only worry, right, is that that this homegrown, home local stuff is, is uh, you know, we can go to farmers markets around the corner from us and, and get local, local, local. And I hope that it doesn't disrupt that kind of business because you, you kind of yeah. commercialize this across all these different rooftops, so to speak, that uh, what's the impact on the local group. So hopefully there's local growers that are able to leverage the, this, this kind of technology. And maybe this would be a good thing for Whole Foods to do is to bring in a couple of local, local growers to, to participate in this. But very, very, very cool. That, that's, yeah. that's a neat story. Whole Foods, man. God, I love the innovation. And you know it's probably saving them a ton of cash, uh, just in the in the transportation, and they can sure. probably charge a premium for the stuff that's growing upstairs because they can say, "Oh, you want to know where it's from? Come on up." Yeah. So Whole Foods. All right, those are the first three stories. We got a huge number of stories on the back end, so stick around for that. I want to talk now about Paul Mabry, who is the co-founder of a company called Vin Tank. Just go to vintank.com. V-I-N-T-A-N-K. These guys are building a have built a social monitoring tool that allows wineries to actually engage, choose to engage, we'll say, with people who are mentioning their wines, who are uh, on location at their winery through Instagram, through Facebook, through uh, Twitter, all the other social platforms, if there are any, um, and uh, allow you to uh, really, uh, you know, create relationships with their customers to, to bring them back or solicit them or bring them into your wineries. It's a very cool platform. This guy, uh, Paul, is uh, like, he is... Uh, you know, the only way I can describe it is that on the East Coast, you've got a guy like Gary Vaynerchuk, who is the wine king uh, from winelibrary.tv and uh, Vaynermedia, and he is a wine aficionado. 
Um, and then on the West Coast, you've got Paul. And in fact, I didn't know, but uh, Gary is an advisor to Paul in this company, and it makes sense. And um, these guys have raised money. These guys have gone out and uh, they're driving great revenue through this and they're helping the wineries increase their, um, you know, the number of people that actually go in to them. And, uh, and this is a great story. And it's so, so low-mo. It's unbelievable. This is the epitome of this. Um, and I had a great opportunity to sit down and have a, have a long, long, long chat with Paul. And this is but a clip of it. So uh, here is Paul Mabry from Vintank. We'll see you on the flip. Into this whole social and digital, and then all you're, you're you're leveraging what I love, which is you're leveraging mobile, you're leveraging place and context. How important is that that people are using these devices to share their thoughts, not only about the wines that they're drinking in restaurants, they're taking photos of labels, they're taking photos of wineries, they're engaged that way, they're on, as you say, they're on the freeway on the way to yeah. to Napa Valley. So, how how important is mobile in what you guys are doing? Well, fundamentally, let's start with the first piece, which is context is king. Gary says it, I say, you know, to me, context is the king of everything, right? I want to know about you because at the end of the day, we are in a service industry anymore. I mean, what Amazon and Google have done have have equalized the vendor competition. Then if you're going to compete on price, you're going to lose right out of the gate. So how do you go? It's going back to that service or the thank you economy. Now, the good news about that is the volume of data that we relinquish in return for these services is at the largest magnitude ever through Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram. You know, it's a value exchange in these pieces. And where it happens more frequently than any is the mobile device, the smartphone. We are doing it all the time. Um, we have the Library of Alexandria in our pocket, the iPhone or the, uh, the Android, our, our windows to the internet, um, and, our in the, and, and the windows to our friends and contacts. And so, um, so all of the sharing and, and things like experience-based things helps us get better context around a person. Um, you know, it, it's a fascinating thing. And the key is how do you make that actionable and leverageable for a small business? And, and this is where the real... I have to thank the wine industry for being such a struggle to work with in some ways, right? Um, you know, you look at companies, the big social listening companies, and they've had the fortunate opportunity to work with Dell or Coca-Cola, who have this whole mission control center and an analyst and a full-time three social media person and five screens up. And, you know, yeah, I'm working with, uh, you know, an owner-operator who's in the vineyard half the time and, and doesn't know how to spell Twitter sometimes or what is a tweet or, you know, fail whale or, you know, RT, I don't understand this thing. Um, it's like my dad. Uh, right, exactly. And there's, <laughs> and there's six ways to Sunday. Or I'm, I'm working with someone who is actually very sophisticated, right? They, they get it. They understand it fully. They, I'll give Craig Camp from Cornerstone. He knows, but he is like so busy. This is what's important to him. So what we've had to learn to do is how to break this all down into what is the most important elements and how do we attach context to it to really round this out. Um, and things. So what we've decided there are three conversations, three things that are most important to a, a company: conversations about you, conversations to you, and conversations with you. So about you is organic, right? That's where listening really plays in. Uh, conversations to you is liking a Facebook post, commenting, and conversations with you is a really important one. An Instagram picture at your winery, um, and this applies not just to wineries. This applies to these are manageable, handleable things that you need to address. And then the rest of it's the fluff. The rest of it's the strategies or tactics to expand beyond that, whether it's creating a social media campaign. But at the essence, if you can serve those up and bring context, hey, Paul, this person who talked with you is a wine club member. Did you know that? 
or this person that talked with you is a wine lover, or this person's not really a wine lover, they just happen to be here that day with their friends, or they are a wine lover, and by the way, they like football, and they're here for a wedding, you know, these different concepts, and then you can really round out the, the service experience and empower them to do that fundamental differentiator, which is service. So what would they do? So, you know, there's, there's a conversation that happens. I'm at, I'm at a restaurant. I have, sure. I'm, I'm outside of Napa Valley. I am, I have ordered a bottle of wine. I love this bottle of wine. I take a photo of the bottle of wine or I tweet about it or I, you know, I, I share right. an experience about it. Um, right. That's, that's about you. To you is, right. is um, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I like your winery Facebook page as, as a perfect example. Sure. And then with you is that I'm actually engaged with you. I'm, I'm planning a trip and I want to get down there or I'm in, on the winery. With you is at premise, on you. The literally is, on yeah. you. Okay. With, literally with, with you. you. Yeah. I mean, you, you can hug them almost. Yeah. yeah. It's like, so <laughs> how, I mean, walk through an example of how, how you can, how you, how the winery would then take this data or take this information and do something with it. Um, because it's like, <sighs> there is that, it's not, there's not a gap. I mean, I see this very clearly is that, that you're exposed to things. You're either looking in the, in the stream uh, or you're not, but it's still happening with or without you. So, yeah. So our job is to take the stream and put the stream in front of right. you. That's so this Facebook conversation happens here. There's a one, you know, this Twitter one happens here. Yeah. You know, the, all of them blended. One single stream for you to manage these complex challenges. And so, and and then their job is to do different factors, right? Reply when appropriate. Drill down to see uh, the context of the customer. Should I answer them? Should I waste my time? Uh, you know, there's a lot of energy being wasted by people that don't matter. And, and if you can bring that added little context to them, and then we let them sort those customers or see how often. So, for example, um, you know, a great one is some, when someone likes in your comments on your Facebook page, you know, it, it feels like a ticker. Right. Right? Yeah. Uh, and I think this is a great deficiency of Facebook, which is they want you to see those macro numbers, the reach, and the, the you know. But really, I want to know how many times did Paul Maybray like, comment, or share posts, and who is he to me out of that piece? I want to go to the micro level, and then I can adjust because that's really how you service customers. You don't service them on a macro, but I can do it depending on, and I can set ticklers up to say, hey, I haven't talked to this guy in six months. Maybe I should talk to him again because he's an important customer, et cetera, et cetera. So what would you do, what would you do with somebody on-premise? Like, uh, you know, um, yeah. because a lot of people will use a, a Foursquare check-in or, a, you know, sure. an Instagram or a photo or say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at the winery. I mean, how is it that without being creepy, Right, without yeah, being eavesdropping, <laughs> without being you know eavesdropping on them and, and you know tapping them on the shoulder and saying hi, you just tweeted about us, thanks. You know, how, how do you how do you engage with that? How do you leverage them using this mobile platform to do good while they're there to blow their so mind? So there's a couple, yeah, there's a couple. I mean, there's a lot of tactical ways to do yeah. it. There is the creepy factor, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's part of the staff training is don't get all you know. Hey, I, I, hey, I know that you've been X Y Z, and they're like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how was the Giants you know? game? How was this? How was this? I'm like. Uh, Oh, yeah. But it's they're, they're, so when you look at first of all, you look at the background. How does it stock you from a, a reference point to know? Okay, this person is a wine lover or not. That's a very basic premise, and know that they're a social customer versus a non-social right. customer. So you can differentiate your service based on that. Because if they're a social customer, you know they're more likely to Yelp, TripAdvisor, Tweet, Facebook, Instagram, and so by you giving that differentiated service, and we have some winers that when they see this happen. They go find those people and move them to another area so that they can give them that better service. Say, hey, we saw that you tweeted. We'd love to have you over here in our special social media area. It's simple. Doesn't get ugly. Doesn't feel yucky, right? But it's uh, a reward, another one, right? Like, uh, it's a reward like, for doing exactly. And the same thing occurs with Instagram quite frequently, and chefs do this too. There's a, I forget the one in New York that has a screen above it, and the chef will come out and thank people for the food porn shots that they take. 
The same thing occurs with some of these wineries. They'll move them to the side and say, wow, that's an amazing picture. We're going to put it up on our Facebook wall today and want you to come say thank you. We really appreciate it. And hey, by the way, here, look, try this reserve wine that we have um, in that piece. So, you know, identifying who they are, thanking them. Uh, in a crowded room, it helps you pick out people too. It's, it's, it's like these are the light bulbs showing up so that you can at least get a little context to who's in your room. Um, that being said, you still have to service everyone, but it helps you get faster to service and know how you want to service these people uh, without being too creepy sometimes. That is Paul Mabry. You can understand why these guys are doing so well on uh, on this. He uh, they're now moving into restaurants, which is very interesting as well. And uh, you know they're following this path, which is around um, services and uh, and not retail services or any other services, but specifically around things that complement the wine. So uh, I really appreciate this him coming on and doing this. If you want to check him out, go to vintank.com, v-i-n-t-a-n-k.com. And if you've ever used this service, if you have been uh, tweeting at or if you've tweeted about a wine and you've had a response and it's been using this technology i'd love to hear from you we're looking for people to uh, have a chat with around that as well i'd love to uh, do a little case study on that so thank you paul for participating and look for that episode in a couple of weeks on untether.tv and if you're listening to this in the future it's probably up there right now all right so uh let's jump back into this uh see if we've got uh i don't even know how to describe it so we have maybe four five more stories it's all gonna be jammed into here and uh let's start with this uh, fascinating technology called uh points sign yeah, so this is something I came across a couple of weeks ago and kind of bookmarked it. Uh, it's uh, from a company called Breakfast New York, um, and basically this this is a actual physical hardware sign, uh, like street post kind of sign device. Um, and, and so you plot these things down. They're nine feet tall. Uh, they've got three. Uh, it's it's like the traditional um, all points kind of sign thing. So you see this pole, and you've got you know. One sign off of it that says, you know, uh, New York City that way, and, and the other sign over here that says, you know, Brooklyn over here, and another sign over here that says Queens this way, right? So picture that sign in your head. Now picture that entire sign system being completely digital, uh, completely internet-fed, uh, you know, you know, just all geared up with technology, and that's what these guys have put out there. And and what this is 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 a modern-day street sign, effectively, that. Um, can be used by municipalities, can be used by, uh, you know, conference organizers, can be used by anybody really uh, to deliver information in real time and to be able to change that information at any time. Uh, so every one of these, so these signs, they're nine feet tall, they've got three, three uh, display areas on them that can rotate in any direction, 360 degrees around, so you can change the direction of the signs pointing. Uh, each one of these things has 16,000 LED lights in it, um, and, and you can change the message to say whatever you want. It could be uh, based on a tweet. It could be based on, you know, an internet feed. It could be based on, um, you know, any type of information you want. I mean, this, this, it, it, like, I just think about the applications for this. It's, it's, it's like, if every municipality all of a sudden went to like real time signage. Right. Uh, as far as like you know, in replacing all the kind of the just the printed out metal signs with something digital like this, the ability to to bring information to people, uh, you know, in real time is 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 just phenomenal around this. This is this is crazy stuff. Well, it really is, and I think that they you know their biggest challenge is the price on this. They say five figures, so that's anywhere between ten thousand and ninety nine thousand dollars to yeah. per, per sign. 
Um, and right now they're they're using it in, like they're talking about a niche use, which is events. Uh, really, I think that that's the biggest thing is events or like theme parks or something like that, so that they can do sure. that. But you're right. If you could digitally change the signages around, uh, you know, not the street names, like screw everybody up by changing street yeah. names, but, but <laughs> real time traffic routing, those kind of things, where where you could do this now. Hey, hey, there's something called Google and Waze. Yeah, but that's what, uh, I, you know, that, that like, I, I think about that. And I think, you know, there's there's usefulness. But some of the examples that I was just playing there as you were talking were, were you know, where, you know, they choose a menu item and, and um, you know, or, or you want to see tweets or news. And I'm like, you know what, I, I carry a device. I'm not going to walk up and use a sign for that information. So I think it's, there's, there's an, I, I see it for events and I see it for theme parks. Um, yeah. But real-time news and real-time events, I like, uh, you know what, maybe they're influenced, they're in news. York, I'm going to assume, because they're at breakfastny.com. Um, they're influenced by, if you go down to Times Square, you see the ticker tapes going through with the news items and people standing there watching those news items as they fly by. But uh, I just think that don't don't try to replace the devices that we're carrying. Add some utility to this. It can't cost $10,000 and above, and it has to be weatherproof. And I think that they're working on all of those things right now. But right now, yeah. I think this is an indoor solution. But it's um, it's like the technology here is very cool. The clarity is insane. So uh, go and check yeah. them out at breakfastny.com forward slash points. Cool. That's a neat, but that's a neat, that's a neat event. That's a neat, it is a, neat it, signs. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. So, so now we got kind of like two stories in one coming up here. Yes. Uh, and this is all about data, which you and I love. Uh, so the first part of this is Twitter has partnered up with a company called Everyday Health. Uh, and this is about delivering public health alerts, uh, you know, in a very hyper-local way based on Twitter's data. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what more can I say? It's called HealthBeat um, is the is the kind of combined product. And, and uh, you know, so this is, uh, you know, if, if there's a vaccination program going on in your neighborhood, you know they can they can suck that information and they can they can push it out uh, over this system. Uh, so this is like promoted tweets, uh, you know hashtags around you know health issues, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know I like this. This this is for me. You know a very I mean it's it's very targeted. It's very niche, obviously to 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 one segment. But uh, you know that ability. We've always talked about that ability to uh, you know when you have. The crowd, and you have you know masses and millions of, of of people and users out there. I mean, remember way way back. I don't know what show, probably like show number thirty three or something. I'm just gonna pick a number. Um, you know, we talked about Ushahidi, yes. and um, yeah, you, you know that 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 was coming at it from the other side in terms of of crowdsourcing data from from the public, and then you know in a crisis situation like when we had Haiti, uh, the earthquakes and all that kind of stuff, being able to understand what was going on on the ground this is you know in, in some respects similar yeah. except that now now what we're talking about is pushing the information uh, you know in a health uh, scenario back out to, to to the users that need or the consumers not users that need to know uh, what's going on so, so I like this kind of stuff yeah they're saying that they like I mean part of the deal is the ability for these guys to scour over the over kind of the, what Twitter says over two million health related daily tweets in the US and and you know I I, I leverage this. I use this quite a bit. It's uh, uh, you know uh, Leo Laporte talks about uh, Twitter as being the nervous system of the internet, and and uh, this is really about that. If, yeah. you, if you're looking for for trends and uh, real time trends and what's going on, there's, I don't think that there's a better source than than Twitter right now. People complain about being sick or flu, and if they see an outbreak, they can. 
they can do one of two things. They can quickly target, uh, they can target them for, you know, local, uh, say if there's a flu outbreak just discovered by Twitter in a, in a certain location, they can target them and say, listen, you know, there's a, uh, there's a flu clinic going on right here, go get your flu shot. But if there's also uh, higher than normal, like pollen elevations, uh, and people are allergic to it, they can actually then do a sponsored Claritin push to say, hey, go and get your Claritin because there's a high pollen yeah. count, right? So I think that, you know, unfortunately, Fortunately, depending on what side you are about advertising, uh, this hyper-targeted advertising piece is is here, and Twitter is the de deliver delivery vehicle. It, it just gets noisy, and I think that uh, you know how many tweets do you miss in a day? Like all of them. So uh, yes. I, the challenge is being in front of them at the right time, at the right place. The last place I am with my eyes watery and itchy in the middle of an aller allergic reaction is on Twitter. So. Um, but this is this is innovative and it's far greater. I, I complained over Twitter yesterday about the Gap, and the Gap sent me. They send me all this time every day. I get an email from the Gap about something, and and they send me stuff like, "Hey, summer dresses on sale today," and I'm like, "I see." Like as a marketer, <laughs> contextualized, like you gotta you, know your, your sons must be like just just raring to go i mean like well, they're in the flower dresses up. today right like <laughs> but you know i put that out and i said like it's ridiculous that the gap in this age today 10 years ago maybe today it's not acceptable that i as a male on their mailing list yeah. get a get an email yeah. about dresses and i think that they have to learn about what these guys are doing and if the health industry is doing it and the gap is not gap is screwed right so i i, I like this kind of contextualized marketing um it might be intrusive, but if it's relevant and it helps you, God, I love it. But that flows right into, I, I guess, I had a problem with this because it sounds like Project Noah, but it is Noah, isn't it? It is Noah, uh, but we're not talking about Project Noah. No. We're talking about the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, which is part of uh, the Department of Commerce in the U.S. Uh, so these guys are all about uh, weather and um, and weather all over the place but uh, so they they, they uh, launched an app uh, just a couple weeks ago called mping and what this is is this this is about uh, crowdsourcing weather data so so w what they've uh, kind of focused on is is that looking at weather and and the patterns of weather and what's you know you know how weather's changing from hour to hour and day to day historically has been done you know from satellite uh, from GPS uh, alone, but uh, what they've hit on is is that the inaccuracies uh, around that, or, or or where there's an opportunity to improve the accuracy, uh, it might be a better way to look at this. You know, has to come from on the ground, and the best way to do that, that they think, uh, isn't for them to go out and build a whole bunch of of stations and and hire a bunch of people and do all that kind of stuff, is is to actually just ask the people on the ground, like the average everyday consumer on the ground what's what's happening around where you are right now and giving them a platform to feed that data back into the system and combine it with what they're getting from the satellites to actually get an overall better accurate you know more accurate uh, you know picture of what's happening with uh, with weather so Very cool. so this is all about crowdsourcing weather data if you're interested the, the app is mping if you're interested in the you know you can just do a search for n o a a mping but if you go to um, yeah, just do a search. It's much easier if you just do a search for uh, Noah and uh, Mping, and you'll be able to find it in the App Store or the Google Play Store, which is pretty cool. And uh, you know what I love about it is the interface. It's like one screen, tell you know, report weather. Yeah, it's simplicity. Yeah, very cool.
So there you go. Two stories right there about uh, crowdsourced information, about, uh, you know, leveraging big data. Uh, one way was actually the input from Twitter. The other was input from, from the average user. But certainly that big data will help kind of move things forward, track, track diseases, track flu and cold epidemics and outbreaks, but also uh, hopefully be able to predict weather. We've seen some really uh, incredible good and bad weather that has happened as a result mm -hmm. of it so far in the spring. So maybe this helps uh, in predicting that weather. Very cool. Yeah, and as you alluded to in the Twitter story, I mean, there, there's there's an advertising opportunity here too, right? Oh, so sure. let's, let's not, uh, I mean... It's not altruistic. It's great. Yeah, it's not all altruistic. No. Absolutely not. So It can't um, be in this day and age. Yeah, You'd yeah, have to be, yeah. like, I'm a cynic, but uh, like everything has a commercial value and especially... You know, sure. you see it always, We, you know, in New York when it starts to rain and the guys with the umbrellas, you know, their handbags, I don't know what they do. They flip, they flip their tables over and their, and their umbrellas, like, <laughs> yeah. it's amazing. So yeah. that's where we're getting to. There you right. go. So Apple, um, our sixth story, Apple, uh, obviously uh, launched iOS, uh, announced iOS at WWDC this past week. And uh, they talked about one, they talked about the big features. Everybody was like, skeuomorphism is gone and, and uh, you know, brand new icons and all of this integration of some of the apps. Great the most popular design. Apps. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, yeah, no. And, and there's a lot of great stuff in there. I mean, But the big thing for us is, is something that we've talked about for many, many, many months about this kind of uh, location-based app recommendations or what we like to call temporary applications. Mm -hmm. Very cool. And they're integrating it in the operating system. So talk about this to see if this is a neat thing. Yeah, I mean, and it's simplicity at its best, right? It's uh, you know, it's, and often you know, as we talk about, you know, it's simple that wins. And yes. so all this is is, as you said, we've talked about this before. Uh, it wasn't available until now, uh, and still not available yet, I guess, uh, until uh, the fall. But uh, realistically, what we're talking about is is that. Um, we we all there's just so many apps out there. There's thousands and thousands and millions of apps in these app stores, um, and you know figuring out which one you need when uh, is often the challenge. So what they've put out here is is that uh, you know if there's a major league baseball app um, or an app for your team and you happen to be at the ball game right now, well why not send you a push notification that says hey there's an app right uh, that can enhance your experience here. And let's deliver that to you. So, so really, this is about location and contextual recommendations of apps based on where you are. And Apple's built that right into the OS now. Uh, it makes tons of sense for them. I mean, they're already making a ton of money selling you apps, anyways. So, why not sell you a lot more based on your location? I mean, and, and, and you were talking about you know the passbook opportunity around this. So, so uh, why don't you comment yeah, on that, Rob? I think that uh, you know I like passbook. I like the opportunity that is passbook. I don't like the fact that if I want to put my uh, airline tickets, like Air Canada tickets, which is a passbook partner, into passbook, I have to download the stupid app. Like I, that's it's an overkill. I don't want another app. Uh, what I want is my airline tickets in passbook and then allow me the opportunity to then decide whether or not I want to download the application that's that's with that and I think that this is a great opportunity and it goes along with what what uh, Google now is trying to do mm -hmm. uh, which is these basically cards right so contextualized cards and and Apple has to get into that game and there was talk that maybe Apple bought Grokker because uh, Grokker was I mean, we talked about that many episodes ago around yep. Google now for iOS and they just discontinued uh, supporting Grokker, and then they've just emerged in a beta program with a beta program called Next, which is, as you know, Steve Jobs' old company was called Next, and it was brought in. Yes. By, so there's all this speculation that they that Apple is interested in in what was Grokker, but but Passbook uh, has that ability 
to be able to bring that data in and be the Google now for iOS. And I believe that, uh, like, if I'm at a baseball game, I might not want the app. If I'm at a concert, I might not want the, like, yep. you know, the uh, the uh, arena app or the uh, bands app. But what I want is contextualized information at that moment pushed to me. So when I launch uh, Passbook, there it is. There's the information right there about the place I'm in, about the concert, the artists that I'm seeing with, with, a, with a direct link to commercialization, to monetization. But, but think about this. I mean, think about this. Think about you're, you're at that place. You, your phone is NFC enabled or enabled in some way to make a payment. Yep. You, you just went and bought a Coca-Cola, and now you get the, the place list from Coca-Cola pushed to you. Right. But that's right? passive, just like that. Like no app, but just... It, it, no, it, it's just, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but, right? and I think that that's great. There are a lot of ways that it'll be mobile web-based too. Yeah. In, in, some respects but it's the functionality of delivering content in context yeah and and with without friction right but yes. always my choice so if i enable it in passbook or whatever that is then then allow it then i want it to be there but when i launch the application it's there it's ready it's waiting for me and if i don't launch it i don't even know what's happened you know what i mean like yeah. uh, don't 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 send me text messages and pop-ups and all that crap and make me download shit. just allow me to engage when I want to and then turn it off. But I think that contextualized, I, I, this is a huge opportunity um, around uh, around this contextualized app market. Um, and and it, they have to be temporary with an option for permanent. They can't just be permanent. Don't make me download the MLB site uh, app uh, to get what I need at that moment, but uh, allow me to engage with where I'm at at that moment and then uh, give me a choice of whether or not I wanna continue that relationship. But this is the beginning, I think, and and having it baked in the operating system makes a whole lot of sense. Um, and maybe yeah, this I is the future it. of apps. So good on Apple. We'll see how that rolls out in iOS seven in the fall. Um, and if anybody, I don't know if it's enabled yet in the betas, but if anybody's playing with that, we'd love to hear from you. Just let us know what you think at untether.tv forward slash talk. So one one final word on that, Rob. Yeah. iOS seven for you, good. Bad, thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, it's hard to tell. I, I mean, I think that, uh, you, you know, there's a lot of conversation around uh, how it looks like uh, when there's all these different aspects of every different operating system. And I think that they're all going to, you know, meld into one. So there's Windows uh, 8 in there. There's BlackBerry with a, with a uh, left uh, off, uh, off bezel um, swipe. And then there's Android, of course. And, uh, you know, skeuomorphism is gone. And so, I mean, it, it looks well, like 3D imagery in the back. You know, th they're doing the right things, but I believe that, like, I'm a, I'm a guy that says, you know, the operating system, I'm, I'm hooked on iOS today, but I'm hooked more on my calendar, my maps, and I think that those yeah. are the future of the operating systems. Those are the operating systems that I interact with. I don't care if it's on an Android phone, an right. iOS phone, a Windows phone, a Black phone. It is. So just, uh, you know, I believe that uh, we, I've always lived in my calendar, right? And uh, it's like when I, when I moved into the Mac environment, I went from Outlook into Mac, and I'm like, oh, God, like the most important thing to set up is mail and calendar, right? And yep. now for me, it's it, on this device, it's calendar and location. And uh, it's it's the place I need to be and how am I going to get there? And then what can I do when I'm there? And so operating system, sure, it looks fine. But I believe that we're going to just, operating system short-lived, uh, especially in the mobile space. I think it's, as you said, it's the, it's the functions that I use in that operating system. So overall, I like it. I'm looking forward to iTunes Radio. I'm looking forward to using all of those pieces. Yep. Um, and uh, you know, as a technologist, I, 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 you know, I love new things. So I'm willing. To, uh, I can't wait, really. But, um, but again, it's. I know it's a blip in history, 
right? Operating yeah. systems are not the, the, the long other for life. Side, sidebar story uh, around this, uh, you know, just on the location front is one of the other things they announced was a, a new set of uh, Wi-Fi uh, base stations, hardware. Yeah. Um, uh, and the interesting thing about that is, and I don't want to get into it in, in too much detail here now, is, is but they're actually, from everything I've been reading about that is, They've really designed this for commercial deployment in some respects in retail, in wow. stores. So all the indoor location stuff that we've been talking about on the show forever, uh, Apple seems to be making a play for that. And the iOS piece of it is syncing right up with it to understand exactly where you are in a store. So Apple's going hard into that space too. My goodness. Like, you know, I always wonder, like, it just, like, why isn't Amazon doing that? You know, Amazon, yeah. uh, you know, why isn't Amazon getting into, uh, you know, whatever, investing or buying a company that does indoor location? Simply because, I mean, it's it, it, if they're trying to yeah. redirect all retail traffic to Amazon, uh, it, it just makes sense for them to be in that business of, of indoor location. Oh, you can't find it here? Well, you can buy it on Amazon. We'll have it delivered by, you know, yeah. by the time you get home. Anyway, I like Anyways. that, though. Uh, all right. Know. One more story. We gotta get through it. Oh my goodness! I got one more story, and then I got a quick resource. So uh, this is a good friends of ours, uh, Impact Mobile, Gary Schwartz's company. Uh, they work. Uh, they're working with uh, Star Micronics. You sat down with Gary a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he he kind of showed us a little bit of demo of that. And uh, why don't you talk about this? Yeah. So th this is all about closing the loop on uh, mobile offer redemption. And so, yeah, on, on that episode a little while ago, Gary showed us this little box device that uh, that they've built. Uh, you know, pretty simple thing. It's got a uh, a tablet built into it, um, and it can spit out uh, printed coupons. But but really, you, you know, the challenge has always been, um, you know, you, we can we can deliver a coupon to a mobile phone, but you know, the redemption piece has always been the issue. So what these guys came up with was this little thing that they call the digital shopping network. And um, you go up to it, you, it can recognize your phone, it's NFC enabled, it's you know, QR enabled, it's, it's everything enabled, basically. Um, and you can transition from what's on your, on your mobile device that you know, is often tough for uh, traditional point of sales who you know, haven't upgraded to, to be able to scan, uh, to actually just print out a physical coupon that they can scan. Uh, and that's what they're doing here. And so they partnered with Star Micronics, uh, who's a big, big player, obviously, in this space, uh, to just kind of bring that, give that some, some distribution, uh, you know, and, and some volume in terms of how they're going to get it to market. Yeah, and if you're looking for that episode that, uh, that Asif sat down with Gary, it's uh, episode number 130. Um, so if you can go, just go to ontether.tv or thelma.com and look for episode number 130. And uh, there's a clip in there with Gary showing off that uh, that device um, in uh, in the in the episode. Very cool. So uh, impactmobile.com, uh, go check them out. Go check this out. Uh, we want uh, to support these guys in any way, shape, or form. Impact Mobile, amazing. One last piece. Yes. Very quickly. See if we talked about uh, the influence that music has over shopping. I think that was when that was like uh, was that last episode that we that was last week. Yeah. yeah. So we talked about the grocery store in New Zealand uh, playing, allowing you to select the music that is played over the airwaves and the influence that it had on shopping and dwell time, which leads to more shopping and more spending. And and I, I you know what I was listening to this. I, I'm a huge Audible uh, subscriber, and I was listening to um, a book called Contagious. And uh, this is my resource of the week. It's a Contagious. It's by uh, Jonah Berger. And the reason I'm saying this is because there's a clip in here where they talk about the influence. I mean, if you like Freakonomics and if you like all of these books by Malcolm Gladwell, like The Tipping Point, this yep. is one of these kind of books. That, but they talk about it's called Contagious, Why Things Catch On. Uh, you know, another one is uh, Made to Stick by the Heath Brothers. 
So, uh, but this book, there, there's a section in here where, where they talk about, they talk about the, they wanted to do a study whether or not if they played certain specific musics in, um, in liquor stores or in wine stores, if it influenced the buy decision about what kind of wines they buy. And I thought, that's, okay, this is fascinating. So if they play, you know, French music, do the um, does the you know do shoppers buy more French French wine? And ultimately, the answer is yes. So the music that we listen to subversively helps us make a decision about the wines or the things that we buy or how much we buy of. And I think it's fascinating. Plays well into what we were talking about around uh, that that grocery store in New Zealand. And I would recommend this book. I'm I'm just I just about finished it. It's called Contagious by Jonah Berger. It's unbelievable. I, I've uh, I've been blown away by these kind of books. I love the you know the, the premise of this, but it just brought me back to that that article last week. The timing was incredible. Pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. Contagious. By Jonah Berger, you can find it on any in any bookstore. It's a, I think it's a bestseller, and I'm probably like a year a year late to the to the party on this. But uh, that one piece just reminded me of you, Asif. So that's it. That's well, my hey, resource. You know, I, I try to be remembered at least once a week. But, that's so. it. So uh, that, I do eggs, and and you do by coming here every week. We do this. We're remembered at least. Yeah. One thing from our side too. I want to welcome. Just you know, take take one second and welcome three new members to the LBMA this week. Uh, Mercatus Technologies. Thumb Vista, who's been a, a big, big follower and fan uh, for a long time of the show as well, uh, and Staples. Come you know, on. That, you know, that, that little store that's still kicking around selling you office stuff, Staples joined the LVMA this week, so we're, we're happy to have uh, those three uh, companies involved. That, my friend, that's a big company. In need and it is a big company. In need and we'll get services. them on the show. We'll get them on the show soon. All right. Yeah. All right, well, you have to uh, catch a plane. Quite literally, you are on your way uh, to the far east. We will expect some updates. We'll try to figure out when we're going to do this uh, with the time zone. I think it's going to be like 3 a.m. my time or something like that. Uh, something like that, Or yeah. 3 a.m. your time I like much better. Um, yeah. We'll figure it out. But we will bring you episode number 135 next week. And uh, for all of you who are listening and made it this far, thank you for listening. We really appreciate your time. We really appreciate your feedback and your encouragement. So please do so at any time. And if you have a question, as I said, you'd like it answered live on the show, reach out at untethered.tv forward slash talk. Leave it there. You can leave. You can just leave a 30-second voicemail with, uh, with your question and we will answer it. Asif, again, I say this every week, but safe travels, man. Uh, enjoy Asia. I can't wait to hear about uh, your perspective on what's going on there. All right, bud. Thanks so much. Uh, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you.